0: What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host as always, Huzefa. And today we are talking about math in the real world again. But We've got a pretty special show today because it's math in an area that is really cool. It's sort of it, it's something that is glamorized that, that a lot of people aspire to. It's an industry that a lot of people aspire to get into, but it's, it's pretty tough to get into and usually requires some sort of creative artistic ability. And what we're talking about today is the fashion industry. So We're talking about math and fashion. And we're really talking about a company in this industry that is pretty revolutionary, pretty cool. And not only that... We are going to get to talk to the COO, interim CEO, and representative director of Guilt Japan, which is Jonathan Venudo. And this is pretty cool because John and I actually, we grew up together. We went to school, to middle school and high school back in Michigan together. And he's been doing all sorts of stuff since we graduated high school. That has eventually led him to Guilt Japan to work in basically doing all sorts of different marketing stuff for for guilt which has been really incredible and I'll let him tell his story and talk more about it. So without further ado, John welcome to the show.
1: hey Jozefa thanks a lot I appreciate you having me on uh, give me a chance to to share my yeah share my story and background with uh, with some of your uh, loyal loyal followers and subscribers.
0: yeah thank you I think the kids and the parents are gonna really enjoy this right now. John is talking to me from Tokyo. I'm in San Francisco. So we had a a little bit of a time gap, but we made it work. And he's got a very busy schedule, so I really appreciate it. So, John, tell us, just tell everybody a little bit about your background. Like, where would you go to school, all that stuff?
1: Uh, Sure. Yeah, so yeah, as you mentioned, uh, you know, from, from Michigan with you, um, went to, to undergrad uh, locally, went to, to Wayne State University, um, actually got recruited to, to play baseball there, but I was uh, planning to, to study uh, engineering. Uh, I was planning to go on uh, to work in the, the auto industry, uh, which is what a lot of people who are uh, good at science and math do uh, who are living in Michigan. Um, so I studied mechanical engineering at Wayne State. Um, did a couple of internships uh, with Ford Motor Company um, starting after my freshman year. Uh, and then uh, after graduation, I joined uh, what's called the, the Ford College Graduate or FCG program. It's a three-year rotational program where you get to experience different vehicle lines and parts of the, the development process, uh, which uh, yeah lasted about three and a half years. Um, actually also um, started getting into uh, entrepreneurship a bit. Uh, So, after my freshman year of college, uh, I started a company called Rockets and Racers, which was selling car and motorcycle parts uh, online uh, using eBay quite a bit. Um, So, that was uh, a really interesting and fun experience. Um, Really, uh, after spending about three and a half years doing the product development uh, at Ford, I was really more interested in the business side of things. Um, And so I ended up uh, heading off to, uh, left Michigan, uh, headed off to Boston to attend uh, Harvard Business School. Uh, Did that from 2006 to 2008. Um, My summer internship uh, I did in management consulting, um, actually in London uh, with Bain and Company. Uh, My full-time offer was to go back to uh, Bain in London. Um, Ended up switching to to New York City um, for... Uh, a handful of reasons. Um, did that for about two years, uh, switched over to American Express, who was my last client. Uh, did partnership marketing with American Express on the Delta Airlines co-brand credit card for about nine months. Uh, it was pretty short-lived because I uh, got recruited to join Gilt, uh, which was now about five and a half years ago. Uh, and originally, my first job with Gilt was the chief of staff for the kids' business general manager. And one of my really big projects, or main projects that I was working on uh, with uh, with that first role in Gilt, was uh, trying to understand the value of uh, customers uh, for the kids' business. And what's really fascinating, this is where the you know a lot of the math starts to come in. Uh, is understanding the customer behavior, because um, you have one shared customer pool for all of Gilt across all of the different um, you know, stores that we have at the business unit. So women's clothing, men's clothing, home goods, and, uh, and the kids' stuff. Um, so understanding that, you know, what is the real value of a kid's customer in the context of the overall Gilt customer um, and so I started doing a lot of analysis on uh, both cross shopping. So what kind of behavior would a customer have going from one of the stores to another store, uh, and then really uh, understanding customer lifetime value or CLTV, uh, which is the you know total revenue or profit that you get from uh, any one customer, and then subtracting out all the all the costs. So um, working with this uh, third party, analytics company called mu Sigma um, actually built a pretty sophisticated uh, customer lifetime value tool um, which took in tons and tons and tons of the, of the data um, from all of these different customers trying to understand you know which ones, um, were most likely to be shopping in the kids' business, uh, you know which was the right direction to to point them into um, and then eventually that kind of information would also help feed into personalization, um, which is you know some pretty sophisticated um, uh, mathematics in terms of you know building building a model and scoring clustering uh, different customers to try and understand what types of things you should show them when you send them an email, for example
0: oh, that's really um, cool so w- before and even before let's 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 just explain to everybody who doesn't know what guilt is or what guilt group does can, can you give us a little summary of like what is and what is the company all about what do you guys provide
1: yeah absolutely um, so guilt is uh, it's a company that started in the US back in 2007 uh, and it was launched in Japan subsequently in 2009. Uh, it's an online uh, fashion uh, flash sales company. Uh, flash sales means uh, usually a time-limited sale. Uh, and in the case of Guild, we usually do three days. Uh, and so you have a limited amount of inventory with really special pricing. Uh, so basically, everybody wants to try and be the first person on the site uh, or in the door to get access to that that inventory. So uh, Gilt in the U.S. at 12 p.m., the sales go live every day. You have new sales every day. Um, and so you have a ton of people who rush in uh, and try and snatch up and buy all of the um, things that they really like from different designers. Uh, there's a lot of companies that use the flash sales model, uh, but Gilt's positioning is pretty uh, pretty unique in that it's uh, it's very luxury. So a lot of the brands that we carry uh, are much higher end. They're they're less mass brands, uh, and then our customer base is very affluent. Um, so they it's predominantly female. So it's about seventy percent uh, female, uh, but the household income is actually quite high, and uh, they target a lot of uh, professional working women. Uh, and that's actually why they they chose to do twelve p.m. start time um, because that. Uh, gives them something to do during their their lunch break, so they, they actually have some time uh, downtime to uh, you know actually enjoy that shopping and it's really more about uh, an exciting entertainment uh, experience uh, versus just regular e commerce like you'd find on uh, Amazon, for example.
0: I remember that i mean to be honest because I used to use guilt quite a bit back when i was in when I was working in d c and I remember that we would be waiting. Because uh, I, I actually bought quite a few things early on uh, from the website. I think jacket, some you know, t- different pairs of shoes and some shirts, stuff like that. I haven't shopped on it, and I just haven't really shopped, period, in a while. Uh, but yeah, it was so, it was really cool, and it would come out right around right around the lunch period. And I always I always remember that. It's a, it's such a great model, and the the other cool thing is that uh, you know maybe other other companies do this too. I I don't know, but the great thing that I I really like about Guilt is that Yes, it is luxury goods, and it's it's quite good selection of different things that I mean I got some great stuff off it, but I remember the few times when I'd order things that didn't fit because of course that's a potential hazard when you're when you're b- purchasing online. It was so easy to make the return i think i, I and, and correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know if it's still run the same way, but you guys would have the label and everything. Sent so all you do is you just repack it back up and print out whatever the return label is and send it back.
1: Uh yeah yeah same way. Yeah, yeah and then and
0: then you just you I think you send it back you get you can get the credit or whatever and then you can just buy something else or try another size. So I always thought that was great, and and I, I, I'm pretty sure it's just it. it you know, back then I'm sure it's the same thing now. It's just such a nice experience. So I was always a big fan. It's a it's such a fantastic model.
1: Oh yeah, we um, yeah the business has been doing uh, been doing pretty pretty well, um, and it's yeah like I was saying it's a it's a pretty differentiated way of shopping, uh, which is it, it's a nice complement right. So we're not trying to compete with the Amazons of the world directly. It's it's much more of a compliment to uh, you know it, it's it's more of a, an exploratory shopping experience.
0: Now you met so now in your title you're a COO and you're also interim CEO uh, and representative director. Can you tell us what that title kind of means, what all, each of those pieces mean?
1: Uh, sure. So uh, back in September uh, 2015, um, the prior CEO uh, ended up uh, stepping down and, and going off uh, to, to move back to New York from Tokyo. Um, at the time, uh, you know, I had moved to, to Japan about, uh, let's see, it was July 2013, so it was about a little over two years in at that point, um, I had come to uh, Guild Japan to run marketing and strategy, um, and so when uh, the prior CEO uh, departed, um, I ended up taking over as the uh, as the interim CEO and um, was promoted from uh, the VP of marketing to the you know formally to the chief operating officer. But the role uh, is is overseeing the entire business, um, which is where the the interim CEO portion uh, came in. Um, and my contract, uh, my expat contract was actually set to, uh, expire at the end of last year. And I ended up extending it through the rest of this year. Um, which is why there's the, the interim portion on the, the CEO title versus, you know, just the regular CEO, because I, at the time was, uh, for personal reasons, just having been in Japan for three years, um, you know, had, uh, was planning to, to move back. So I was not, uh, you know, interested in being the, you know, the, the next CEO for, you know, three to, three to five years. Um, I have been, you know, having some discussions with them recently, though, um, about, uh, you know, potentially staying longer, in which case, you know, it'd be taking over or taking on the, the formal uh, CEO uh, title. Um, But the job itself is overseeing the entire business. And then representative director uh, is something specific to uh, Japan. So if you have subsidiaries of uh, foreign companies who are operating in Japan, you need to legally have something called a representative director, which is the uh, person on the ground in Japan uh, for that company who uh, is essentially legally responsible, uh, for that company and is the one who can, uh, sign the contracts and, uh, you know, write the letters for, for new employees and, and a lot of those, uh, legal things. Also, you know, when we do our, uh, board meetings or tax filings, for example, um, the representative director is the one whose, uh, you know, name is, is on those documents.
0: Got it. So let's talk now a little bit, I know you mentioned already as you were, as you were Beginning your career and you start doing some, some math-heavy analytics, but tell us what you, know, you can talk about basically how math was involved in that piece or even now on a day-to-day basis. How do you use math to do what you do to basically
1: you know, basically carry out your role? Yep, sure. So uh, throughout my, my entire career, really, uh, math has been an incredibly uh, important component. Um, And I would say, if anything, over uh, over my career in the beginning, uh, math was, you know, probably ninety percent of you know it was used to uh, the weighting for math was probably ninety percent in the way that uh, would make decisions. Right, you do a lot of analytics, you do a lot of economic modeling. Uh, you know, predictive, um, you know, predictive um, analytics, correlation analyses, trying to understand things before you make decisions. Um, and a lot of that is, uh, you know, in the beginning, like math is, uh, you know, numbers, they're they solid, they're very objective. Uh, it's something that you can communicate across uh, divisions or functions or companies. Um, and in the case of my current job, uh, you know, across cultures and languages, right? So numbers are numbers. And, you know, you can't refute. Uh, hard data. Um, I would say, um, you know, so still every decision that uh, that I make, especially if it's in, is going to involve things that affect a customer or things that involve uh, investing uh, money in in anything, which is you know the vast majority of things. Um, so math is still, uh, you know, the the crunching the numbers or building building the financial model or understanding the customer behavior from an analytical perspective. Those are all key. Key steps, uh, and then really the first steps that are taken, uh, and then really one of the the things that I've been um, learning a lot more when it comes to specifically the marketing side of things, right? So there's there's the hard, and then there's the soft, and you need to have you know a balance of both of them. And one of them is this more objective, uh, the analytical piece, and then you have the softer, more subjective, uh, you know, even call it like a gut feeling. Right? So when you come to marketing campaigns, you can test everything, and you, we do test everything. We do tons and tons of uh, AB or ABC um, uh, testing to understand how different iterations of either a new feature on the website or a marketing uh, promotion uh, performed, uh, but you can also do it for marketing copy. Right, So does it make more sense to say, uh, from a value proposition messaging, say, uh, guilt can give you 50 or sixty percent off uh, this really great luxury brand or do you want to say something more like guilt provides member only pricing right and so you can actually set up a b tests um, to even for something that feels very soft and and more branding and marketing you can still apply math um, to look at click rates for example. so does the advertisement that talks about fifty percent off versus member only pricing you can actually, get a better understanding and measure, uh, the impact of those two different brand messagings. So it's really math is, uh, everywhere and it has at least some, uh, influence in, uh, every decision that, uh, you know, that I make every day.
0: Now, I know you, you mentioned AB testing. So let me try and and please jump in if I, if I get this definition incorrect, but basically with AB testing, you're, you're taking those two options, those two different, potential ads that you mentioned one you know, each one mentioned something slightly different but you're trying to advertise for the same thing and you put them both out there in small doses and you see which one in your little sample size uh, which one is has a more positive reaction and then the one that has a more positive reaction that's the one that you then throw the heavy advertising spend behind is that correct yep okay.
1: yep that's exactly right
0: so now, so that's sort of like we're looking, we're comparing numbers, we're comparing click through rate, and then you go ahead and go full throttle. Uh, just out of curiosity, what about? Do you feel like you use mental math and multiplication,
1: addition, subtraction, stuff like that? And if so, in what in what ways? Yep. Um, so yeah, I I do that all the time as well. Um, and so I think one of the the areas whenever whenever you're uh, kind of under the gun or don't have a lot of time. Um, so, a perfect example is when we're in uh, a negotiation meeting with a potential vendor. Um, so, we're thinking about hiring a company to do uh, this particular uh, marketing campaign for us, for example. We're thinking about buying some media from, from them. Um, so understanding in that discussion live, um, you know, trying to make a proposal or push for a cheaper price or, or a better deal, like really being able to see the numbers and the information that they're pre- uh, presenting to you and then real time uh, think about what the, uh, at least the order of magnitude impact is going to be, um, you know, to us on that side. So, um, you know, on a regular basis, I'm, you know, I'm doing uh, mental math uh, there. Um, And then also, and that's more like in the external facing, um, but in in terms of internal uh, meetings, it's actually really, really good um, for gut check So when you're, um, or spot checking. So when, you know, we have a lot of different projects, a lot of different teams doing a lot of work. So I'm constantly seeing a lot of different presentations, especially uh, financial things, um, you know, being shared with me on a daily basis. Um, And, you know, some people do make mistakes, right? So, you know, not everybody is, or nobody really is, is a hundred percent accurate in everything. Um, You know, even the best people will still make some mistakes. Um, And so if I'm looking at information that, especially if I'm going to have to pass that on uh, to uh, you know, some other entity, whether it be, you know, in our tax filings or a board meeting or even reporting back to uh, headquarters in, in New York, um, you know, I, I don't have the time to be able to sit down and, you know, go through every model, right? So I just literally, I'm looking at the bullets and I'll just, you know, do a few quick checks of, you know, this number should be this percentage of this number. Uh, and the way that, you know, I know the women's business is X percent of our overall. Um, so this number that I'm seeing right now, does that number actually make sense? Um, and so I'm able to do a whole bunch of spot checks. Um, and then that, you know, a lot of times, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot of times cause the team is very good on occasion when there actually is a mistake, um, you can kind of find it, um, doing it that way in just a few seconds or, you know, maybe half a minute of doing some mental math. Um, You know, without actually even having to you know pull up your laptop and go into Excel and you know check formulas, Um, so it's incredibly helpful in that way.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I also I I interviewed another friend of mine, uh, Mike Hausman, who's a data scientist, said the same thing, and I think this comes up all the time. The gut checks a lot of people. A lot of um, sometimes my students will put up a little bit of a protest when we're (laughs) when we're working through some problems, and they'll say, "Well, why can't I just use a calculator?" And I think. This is the reason why not only for school standardized tests and so on, but even beyond, there is a reason why mental math actually does become important. It's that exact principle of gut checks. When you when your number sense, if if your number sense is is not strong, what happens is if you're so reliant on, let's say, Excel formulas or calculations made on a calculator. How do you see when you've typed something in incorrectly? How can you tell? And that, and that becomes the problem. So I think that's why, and again, I emphasize this all the time, and I think mental math, and the beautiful thing is mental math isn't that tough to master, but that's the importance of it. You just put in a little bit of practice, put the time in, and it can have a lot of value in school and beyond. So I want to just rewind a little bit because you've told us all this great stuff about how you how you use math in your current role, how you even used it to get to your current role. But I know you mentioned before that you worked at Bain. Now, Bain is a premier management consulting firm. And it'd be great if you could actually define what management consulting entails. But... I know that there's a lot of math in consulting and I know moreover that there's even a lot of math in just the interview process alone. So we'll get to that. But first, can you tell us what is management consulting?
1: Uh, Sure. So so management consulting, um, it's it's an industry that uh, provides a lot of advice for large companies, uh, well, medium to large companies, um, and it can be in a variety of different in different fields. Um, but basically, you have a you have a team from the management consulting firm who will go to uh, the client to understand whatever their problem is, uh, and then they'll come up with a, a recommended solution. Um, And so, management consulting is—it's more about coming up with the right solution as opposed to the actual implementation of the solution. Um, Although some of the consulting management consulting firms will offer that that service as well. Um, And so, just a couple or a few um, examples—you know—so Bain and Company—they're they're they're one of the the market leaders um, in doing um, you know valuation analysis um, for uh, they yeah they call it PEG or the private equity group. Um, And so basically companies who are private equity firms who are looking to uh, potentially buy different companies, they they need to do all this due diligence. Um, And so they'll actually uh, hire Bain to come in and say, okay, they'll do the market assessment. Uh, You know, do they... Uh, think the growth rates that are being presented by the the target company, uh, you know, are they valid? Do they make sense? They'll do a bunch of interviews. They'll do a bunch of analytics, market sizing. Um, so that that's one particular area. Um, they'll also uh, try and help uh, large companies figure out how they want to grow. Right. So there's a lot of different strategic directions you can go uh, in terms of growing your your revenue and profitability. Uh, you know, geographically. Right. Should uh, say the client is a bank and they are only operating in the Midwest, in Michigan, for example. Um, you know That bank is going to have a lot of pressure to continue growing. Um, should they uh, you know, go from just doing consumer banking? Should they also get into commercial banking? Right, That's one possible direction they could go in. Should they expand geographically? Should they start to focus more online? Those are a lot of different ways that they could potentially grow. And then the consulting firm uh, will actually come in with a ton of experience uh, expertise across a very wide network of uh, partners, and managers, and uh, associates at the client uh, at the consulting firm, uh, and they can pool all that collective knowledge uh, and then make a good recommendation to to the client on what uh, what kind of decision they should make. Uh, and the consulting fir- management consulting firms, are uh, they're quite expensive, uh, but the problems that they're tackling. Um are really, really big for for the company. Uh, and so it actually makes a really good uh, you know investment. Uh, it makes a lot of investment sense uh, to invest that that bit of money uh, when the decision is is so important.
0: I know that consulting, it's a great field to go into, especially if you want exposure to a lot of different companies and a lot of different just a, a lot of different business models, so on and so forth. So it can be great, and I know it was a great segue for you. Can you tell us a little bit about let's start with the interview process. what how was math why is math so important just to get in the door to become a consultant?
1: Yeah, so uh, the vast majority of work, um, especially uh, when you're starting off either out of university or out of uh, out of business school, um, a lot of the work that uh, you're gonna have to do is going to revolve around. Um, Data analysis, market uh, analysis, market research, uh, pretty much everything uh, involves numbers. Even one of the work streams that I had, which was around um, benchmarking for one of the clients. Uh, So I was doing a lot of phone interviews. Even the phone interviews, um, I was basically collecting information, and I would end up doing uh, you know a bunch of analyses based on those you know those responses, which were uh, you know much much more subjective. So you're basically converting subjective responses into more objective uh, into more objective data. Um, and so yeah, on in the interview process, um, in this you know going back to the importance of mental math, um, there's no there's no calculators. Uh, involved in the interview process. Uh, and it's called uh, the a case, the case interview. Uh, and basically you're going to get uh, mini cases or mini uh, math problems um, to uh, assess your analytical capabilities. Uh, and just like your analogy of the uh, or the using calculator versus being able to do mental math, um, they're not really worried about the actual answer, right? They don't care if the answer is 14. They're really interested in how your uh, thought process uh, works in your mind and the structure, right? So how are you approaching the problem? What, what, ma- what questions do you need to ask? What data do you need? Uh, and how do you actually structure and approach your answer? Um, and so that's you know really, really important. And it's very, very quick. Right, so um, you know it's very, very competitive to get uh, to get one of these jobs. Tons of people apply for them, uh, and you're literally doing a 30 to 45 minute interview uh, in round one. Usually, it's two or three interviews, um, and you have to really impress, uh, really impress the all of the interviewers uh, just to be able to get past that uh, that first step. And if you uh, are not good at math and cannot approach things from an analytical and structured perspective, um, it's yeah, it's just not going to work.
0: Awesome. All right. John, thank you so much for joining the show today and basically sharing your experiences with everybody. I think it's been super useful for all parents, students, whoever has been listening. So if people have have questions, if they want to learn more about
1: Guilt Group, how can they do that? Where do they go? Or if they even want to buy something from Guilt Group, where do they go? uh well uh, happy to invite them to visit uh, so the website is guilt.com, uh, uh, .com. uh If they happen to live in Japan, um, the website is guilt.jp um, and then there are tons and tons and tons of uh, articles um, that have been written just to, you know talking about the flash sales model, uh, guilt, uh, you know how it uh, how it grew from the beginning uh, and we also were recently acquired. Um, by a, a large retailer uh, called Hudson's Bay Company back in February. Um, so there's actually even more um, articles uh, out there floating around now because of that acquisition. Um, and then there's a bunch of information about the, uh, the founders uh, and then just the, you know, the site itself um, if, you, if you do visit um, guilt.com.
0: Excellent. All right, guys, I will put a link in the show notes to guilt so you can check it out for yourself. If you want to check out the show notes, go to www.scalerlearning.com. And as always, if you have questions or comments for me, email me directly. Would love to hear from you. Huzaifa at scalarlearning.com. And that's all for today. Thanks so much. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. I got new episodes coming out every day this summer. We've got a lot of information. This is episode 51, so we're just over halfway there. Definitely subscribe to get all the latest and greatest education information. That's all for today. Thank you guys for joining us. See you guys next time. Take it easy. Gimme that skill and learning Skill and learning Skill and Learning Gimme that skill and learning